pray, and then I'm going to ask you to remain standing while I read the passage today. We are grateful, Lord, to you for those that are here. We thank you for your faithfulness, and we thank you for your great love and mercy. We thank you that, God, you provide for us when we don't even deserve it. You are faithful. You are holy. You are kind. And, Lord, you set us apart for your exclusive use. May we be faithful to the calling of God, faithful to the plan that you have laid out. Pray that you will be honored and glorified. Thank you for those that are here today. Now, God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We give your name all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing if you can. In your Bibles, and it will be on the board, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read what I read last week. This is a continuation. 4, 1 through 6, and I'm going to focus today on verses 4 through 6. This is going to be part 2. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I read 1 through 3 last week. I, therefore, a prisoner... For the Lord urged you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Will you remain standing, please? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. And this is how it reads. Yet for us, there is one God, Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. You may be seated. You may be seated. For the pantry people that keep and take care of the food ministry, thank you volunteering their time. Thank you. Part two of the message that we had last week is living, or rather lining up in oneness with Christ. Lining up in oneness with Christ. Lining up. I tell you this word, this is Kenny's aunt trying to preach my message. <laughs> this is how the Holy Spirit will do it. It must be. (laughs) The world in which we, you and I live, have a flawed view of what it means to be one. Being one for many in the world is a forced matter. You accept our oneness or we'll throw you out. Even if their oneness is flawed in air not lined up with God's word. It doesn't make a difference to them if their oneness is in, is in a collision course with God's plan. I don't care. Whenever you line up in oneness with Christ, it will cause a reaction in the culture in which we live. But oneness is what the church is called to be 
And the oneness is only found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Last week, point one was walking in oneness. Point two today is living in oneness. Living in oneness, verses four through six. There are seven statements that Paul makes between verses four through six. And one theologian or commentary's statement, he says there are seven affirmations that you notice about the oneness. Now, there's one body and one spirit. If you want to understand the importance of what Paul says, begin telling people that there is one body in Christ. There is one Holy Spirit. You want to know where people stand? Tell them there are not many ways to God. There is one way. People will tell you that you are wrong. And in fact, you will come to discover how in fact many people who say they believe in allowing free speech really are more notorious than anybody else in not allowing free speech. You disagree with people and what they believe, they will come after you with a vengeance. Tell people that you believe there's one God who created this world in which we live. There's one way to the Father, one salvation, one Lord and Savior. They'll tell you there's many ways to God. We don't believe in polytheism. We believe there's one God, one Father. Now, there's different ways of expression, different ways of worship. Some people worship God very quietly, like this. Some are more expressive with arms outstretched. Some people might even like to shout. Some people don't even say a word, but there's a turning on the inside. One God, one spirit. There's one body, one body, the Holy Catholic Church. Catholic means universal. We're not talking about Roman Catholic. We're talking about Catholic, the universal church. The church is what we call the ecclesia. That Greek word, the ecclesia, called out. You are the called out ones. The Lord called Adam, Moses, he called Moses, go get those people and take them out of Egypt. I want you to know something. If you can't be a part of something, well, let me say it this way. If you want to be a part of something, you're going to have to exclude something else. If you want to be a part of something, something else has to be excluded. You can't be a part of the world in the church and be okay. I tell you, I tell you we try. We, I, I grew up trying that. In the church on Sundays, out in the world, every days of the week. Back in the church on Sunday, back out in the world. But I was quiet about mine. He, he wasn't. No, 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 he wasn't. He be, I, I learned, I don't, I see, one thing I never did, I never snuck out the house. Couldn't sneak out the house in our house, he had steps that creaked. <laughs> he tried it though. <laughs> you, you have to be a part of something and something has to be excluded. It is okay to be exclusive. Even when people tell you that they are open and free, you push the right button, you will find out how close some people are. God doesn't have a problem with being a 
exclusive. Why? Because he knows the truth. You are called to be holy. If you're going to be in the body, it means not this physical, it means the body of Christ. You see, there, when we consider heaven, we think about Christ, everything centers in and around Christ. From the Old Testament to the New Testament. That's why I tell you, the Old Testament points to Christ. And that's why you have to have the old and the new. So when you say, I'm not an Old Testament Christian, well, you can't be a New Testament Christian if you're not an Old Testament Christian. Because the old talks about the new, and the new points back to the old. Christ is constantly referring back to the Old Testament, saying how this fulfills the scripture. Even when Christ left the scene, it was the disciples who remembered what he said. He says, oh, we remember Jesus saying this. And scripture being fulfilled from Micah to Isaiah, the Bible, he is the Logos, the Word. It is in the body of Christ that we exist and that we are called to be. We're called to be one in the body. There's one body, the body of Christ. And so when people gather on Sunday mornings around this world, they center, many of them, they center on the risen Christ. Therefore, one body. Even though expression may be given in various places, one body body. Your ears should perk up when you hear words or messages that contradicts the word of God. Your ears should perk up when you begin to hear things that goes against the essentials. Or we can have debate and disagreement around those things that are secondary, but we don't have disagreement that when we say Jesus is God. He he was incarnate. He came in the flesh don't say that Jesus didn't possess a body as the Gnostics would say. Or he just seemed to be. No, no, Jesus possessed a body. He died a real death for you and me. And I told you, he died when we weren't even looking for him. Ephesians deals with the body of the Jews and the Gentiles coming together. They are one. The plan revealed, the mystery of God is that they are one. In Christ. And God's plan is the church. One body. One church. And he's coming back for the church. You're either in the church or you're outside the church. So when people tell me I'm a Christian but I don't go to church. Christians go to church. Believers go to church. If you're going to be obedient to God, you need to find yourself in the church. Tell me, oh, the church ran me off. <laughs> but a fine one that you can join. Tell you this, you're going to keep searching too. As soon as you get there, there's going to be another church you got to go to. Oh, it must be those people. I said, mm, you need to take another look. <laughs> you ain't going to find the perfect church. Ain't going to find. I did say it. Ain't going to find. You are not going to find the perfect church. I'll say it. You are not going to find. Because the moment you join, that church has just signed up with sin. If I go to a church, sin is just, oh, but I'm, I'm a forgiven person. I'm, I'm, I'm washed in the blood. I am, for, I am a forgiven sinner. I no longer walk in sin. I live. My sins have been washed away. 
won't be held against me. Why? Because the blood of Christ covers me. Only in the body of Christ, only in the church. Go ahead and join all the clubs you want, but make sure the church is what you understand you need to be a part of. Since it is not your body, nor another person's body that we join, it is important to take heed that it is the body united in and through and around Christ. He is the central theme. Every church that accepts Christ's rule joins and makes the statement that there is one body. That's why I can go to a church in Philadelphia, a church in Washington, D.C., Bowie, Maryland, and I can go embrace and welcome the believers. Why? Because we have a unity in Christ. That's why people can come from Ohio. They'll. They can come and say, yeah, yeah, there's one body. There's one spirit. One spirit. One spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a lesser God or an inferior God. He is God. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that spoke to me. Get up, wake up, call. I had no idea. You see, there's sometimes just with simple obedience that you don't get the answer until after you obeyed. Lord, tell me what I need to do first. No, go do it. And then you might know. You see, many people don't move because they're looking for all of the details ahead of time. If you knew something, you wouldn't go. And if you do some things, you say, I'm sure not going to go. God has a way of not telling you things. The Lord never told Job why he suffered. We see the scenes unfolding in history. But Job never knew. He just went through. And he believed God. Even though he was shaken, it was God that said, have you noticed my servant Job? There's nobody like him. Does he say that to you? (laughs) Nobody like my child. Have you noticed? Or do you say, oh, Lord, get get the enemy off of me. Well, you know you're on the right course as the enemy is hounding you. Why is that? Because anybody that's close to God and exuding God the enemy doesn't like. He likes carnal Christians. Those Christians that kind of like talk the game, but they don't live it. Those that are in the world, you can't tell if they're in the church or the world. There needs to be a time when we understand, Holy Spirit, you have full control of my life. One spirit. So the spirit can speak to us and say, you shouldn't do that. That's why sometimes when you get all by yourself, you'll hear a whisper. You could have done that differently. You shouldn't have said that. And then you go arguing with yourself down the street. I could have done people talking to me that way. They, they need to know who I am. Tell them they don't talk to me. Oh, got pulled over. What? Oh, I, I was just upset with your foot. Push the accelerator a little bit too hard. I suggest that you don't think about those things while you drive. I'm going to give you a ticket to help remind you. 
You cannot claim and be in truth in saying that the Holy Spirit indwells you if you are not in Christ. The moment that Christ comes to indwell you, the Holy Spirit is given. Let me say this, just briefly. When the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts, now in the Old Testament there were times when the Holy Spirit came upon people for very specific acts of service. He infilled Samson. He, he, he did various things at times, but the coming of the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. He, he came at Pentecost. And he came to empower the church. Now listen carefully. The Holy Spirit came to give you power to live in victory over sin, to do God's will. That was his primary purpose, is to help you to live a victorious life. The Lord says that when I leave and I need to go or else the comforter will not come, the paraclete. He, he came in order to help you. And if you notice in the first part of Acts, those first couple of chapters, you will notice that when they prayed, they prayed for boldness to carry out God's will. Because why? Because persecution was there. There was trouble, and, and when they were being afflicted or problems came up, they prayed to be, and to be strengthened to carry on the word and the message of God. Be careful that you think that the Holy Spirit just gives you emotional fits. He's the intelligentsia of what we say of heaven. He's the one that comes to indwell you and to say, this is the way you should go. He comes to and help you with your understanding of the scriptures. He comes to help you that when you're going through something, you can make it through. The Holy Spirit, one spirit, and he's given to the church. And he's given to the church as a deposit that God is going to fulfill and do what he said he's going to do. The Bible said he's given as a deposit. It's a guarantee. I told you about when we talk about sometimes the layaway plan, you go put a little bit of money down because you want something. That's back in the 70s and stuff. And people go to J.C. Penney's and Woolworths. I don't know about no Woolworths. Gallon Camp here. We had, we had a store called Gallon Camp. I didn't like Gallon Camp. I didn't. I didn't. I went to go to Big Five where I can get some Converse. My mom said, no, you're getting some scats. <laughs> Lord have mercy. All my friends wearing Converse. And here I got some new shoes from Gallon Camp. I didn't want to wear them to school. <laughs> they knew where they were from. Lord have mercy. My mom didn't care. We're going to Gallon Camp. <laughs> Get you some shoes. Get you, a, you can have a couple pair too if you want. As <laughs> soon as I got old enough to start working, I bought me some Converse. <laughs> Go get me some Adidas. <laughs> Help us, Lord. But that layaway plan, you can go put something down. Why? Because after you paid it off, you would have it. Well, the Holy Spirit comes and say, God is going to complete what he's doing. 
He's working his plan, and I'm going, it's my job as Christ has come on the scene to point you to Christ and to let you know that everything is for the glory of the Almighty God. You see, it is the Lord that we serve, and everything is found in Christ, and the Holy Spirit helps you to remember that so that you never forget it's not about you, it's about him. And your life brings glory to him. That's the way it should be. One body, one spirit. Then he says, there's one hope. Paul gave the message of one hope, that hope is in Christ. The calling, he says, of your hope. There is a calling on your life. Call, make your calling and election sure. You see, God doesn't give you his plan so that you can go out and then devise a way that you're going to run it. He has a plan. And in fact, he laid out the plan before the foundations of this earth. He laid out a plan for your life. Are you walking in this plan? Or are you off on the grass and walking down the road someplace else, not even doing what he says? The church must understand that our hope is in the Almighty God. The hope is not a guessing game. We don't hope because we're just hoping for something to happen because we don't know. No, it's a guarantee. We hope in the fact that God has said it is going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. I've never noticed God and never known God to ever lose a case. Never known God to lie. Never known God to, to, to tell something that he couldn't back up. This is just a simple thing for God. During our noonday prayer, we've been reading uh, the book of Kings. And when we think about a king, some of the kings that were going in well, Israel, not one good king when that nation divided between Israel and Judah. Israel had no good kings. And Elisha, one of the, of the occasions when the enemy came and says, we're coming to get you. He called the prophet or called the other king of Judah. Elijah said, Ahab's son, if it wasn't for this other king, I wouldn't even talk to you. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even come here because I've got respect for this king. The Lord's going to give you the battle. He's going to give you the victory. There's been, a, there's been a drought in the land. Don't even worry about it. You won't even see the rain. You won't see no clouds. But God says this land is going to be filled with water the next day. See, that's what God will do. He will do it. He will carry it out. It's his plan. He can do it. Nothing. That's just, that's a simple thing he says for me. <laughs> Our hope is in him. We hope in Christ. We hope in God. Because it's his plan. It's his plan. How much, what time is it? Lord, I got to get done. I got, oh, I got just a few minutes. Y'all went too long today. I got it. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Y'all give me four minutes, and I'm going to be done for the day. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. In the Old Testament, the name Lord was Yahweh. <clears throat> Yahweh, Lord. Do you not know in the Old Testament, they wouldn't even say the name God? The name Lord was used. Why? Because they felt his name was so holy, they couldn't even utter it, or they may say something to blaspheme his name. So they didn't say his name. And even when the scribes were penning the Old Testament and they came across that name, God, Jehovah, 
Yahweh, they wouldn't write it down. They wrote the name Lord to signify that it was God. So when the Lord in the New Testament says, Lord, that name is Jews of Christ, it's saying that he's God. And I've told you in John chapter 858, when the religious leaders said, you know, Abraham, Abraham's our father. He says, before Abraham was, but was born, I, I am. Before Abraham was even born, I am. That same name in Exodus 3.14, I've told you this, was the name of God when the Lord met Moses on that mountain. Moses, go tell the people that I am. That's the name for the Lord. The Lord. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. I'm going to skip here and just one God and Father of all. And I'm going to end here for today. One God. Now, if you notice carefully of these seven affirmations or seven statements, that you notice the Trinity is involved. It is mentioned it involves the Trinity. The Spirit, one Lord, and then Father. But if you notice, the order is reversed. You oftentimes hear Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, why would Paul say Spirit, Lord, Father? Because of the context of what he's addressing. He's addressing him. So following that context, he says, Spirit, Lord, Father. There's one God revealed in three persons. One God. We don't serve multiple gods. One God who reveals himself in three persons. All God. Christ is God. Has all power. He willingly gave himself. So when the Holy Spirit comes to you, he is not an it. He's a person. He has personality. He is God. He is the one that we are to honor. Now, while the name and the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible, the idea and the concept is all through the Bible. One God, one Father. There is one body. These seven things, Paul makes no apologies. He doesn't say, well, I might offend someone. Okay, there's three or four. He says one. You can stand firm and be nice about it. No, I believe this. I believe Jesus is, is the Lord. <laughs> don't, don't you think that people can just serve God any way they wait? No, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> no, no. God is good <laughs> all the time and all the time. <laughs> one God, one Father. I serve the God who created this world. I serve the God that gave you breath. I serve the God that you now are trying to deny. <laughs> and one day you're going to have to stand before him. So when I stand before him, I'll bow in submission to him, thanking him for what he's done, rather than trying to make excuses of why I didn't accept him. God have mercy. Stand to your feet. We are grateful to God that he's given the body. And the Bible says that Christ is coming back for the church. The church is God's idea. (laughs) Get that, people. The church is God's idea. And remember this. It was part of the mystery that he revealed. Putting Jew and Gentile together in the church, his body. We honor you today, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness. We praise you for being the Lord who gave us life, gives us life, lives in us, 
be with us today. Now we pray that the word may be hidden in our very hearts, that we might not sin against thee. We pray that, God, you will bless Brother Kenny's family as they travel back. Mother Carol, Lord, when she travels back. We're going to miss her, already miss her. We just pray that, God, you will keep us in your care. We love you for who you are, and we give all the glory, all the praise to you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great day. God bless you.